guys. This is your host, Evan Singer. Stratton's firm couldn't make this one, so it was just me and your guy, George Genkis. Probably the hottest teacher in golf right now, but we didn't necessarily go nitty-gritty on golf teaching items. I think this interview relates to anyone who wants to build a business, who wants to grow their personal brand, who wants more Instagram followers, etc. Um, Angus wants to learn how to be authentically them because George is the ultimate example of not caring what anyone thinks and just doing his thing. And um, obviously the PJ Tour pros noticed because he's getting more and more guys. And um, literally as we're about to post this episode, Sung Kang just got his first PJ Tour victory who obviously goes to George um, for instruction. So this is a perfect timing. Um, real quick, to go over what we talk through. Um, first off, we talk about how you get on that Instagram and get those water emojis because everybody, that's the ultimate compliment, right? How he made sense of getting over 100,000 followers on Instagram. He also went from never playing golf. He thought it was actually like a wimpy game as a wrestler um, growing up to shooting even par a year later. We, we talk about a lot of stuff um, and also his stable of players and guys like Adam Scott reaching out to him from looking at his YouTube videos and um, he's got a new website coming out called georgegenkis.golf. Um, we talk a lot about that too. So stay to the end. This is a, I wish I could have had more time with George. We only have 30 minutes. I would have, I could have gone for two to three hours with him easily. So maybe he'll come on again at some point soon. Um, but the last thing I'll say is um, I say this in the interview, but I've gone to George twice now to get lessons. I'm starting to see those gains in my own game and I think it just adds to the interview to have a little context in what his teaching style is actually like. So enjoy, and uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. All right, and we're back with my guy, George Genkis. George, before we get into it, I think there's two reasons I'm super excited to have you on. Number one, you know this. I genuinely love what you do and what you stand for. I think you're authentically you 100% of the time, and you can tell that you love what you're doing. But number two, Maybe even more importantly, I've had two lessons with you prior to this conversation. So from an interview standpoint, I'm hoping that I can help portray your style and, and the value you bring a little bit more because I've been through it, um, but I'm just excited to have you on. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's been fun uh, actually working with you the two times and uh, looking forward to the show. For sure. So my first question, we always like to start you off with something a little lighter and fun. Um, there's nothing, there's no bigger honor than getting your swing in those water drop emojis on that Instagram of yours. So what's it take? What's it take for your, for the swing to be wet enough for the Instagram? Uh, that's a good question. You have to, number one, you have to be shallow. Okay. You have to be super rotated through the ball. There can't be any stall out and then you can be wet. But the <laughs> funny thing is, is it's not just shallowing it with your hands and arms. You got to do it naturally. You got to do it where you set it up in the boxing right and use your pivot right, and then you get wet. So that's, that's probably that's probably why I haven't been featured yet. <laughs> haven't quite rotated <laughs> through yet. <laughs> you got to be able to use the ground to rotate. We don't rotate just from the hips. The feet are where, where it's all coming from. And you're not going to rotate through the ball if you don't set the backswing up right. You know what I mean? Right. And if, if your face isn't ready to go, why are you going to rotate? You're not. You're going to slow down. Try and slow it up. Do stuff like that. So. Got you got to understand all the whole thing before what you do, and then it all gets you wet. So 
how do you make sense of your your popularity? Like you got over a hundred thousand followers on Instagram now. How how would you describe that it that it all happened? Because I don't really care about it. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I'm not trying to get more followers. I'm not trying to do anything. And I'm, I'm sure people, a lot of people probably won't believe that, but I'm really not. I'm actually just trying to help people. As soon as you actually are, you know, your 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 mind's in the right place, and you're trying to actually study to actually improve your own self, like myself. Um, and I can actually relay that out to other players, I think that you become more popular. And I think that people know when they come and see me that they're, I'm a lot different than what they see, like on videos and what they have an idea of me. They know that I care when I see them. I don't care if you're a 30 handicapper, 20 handicapper. I'm down to actually help you out. I'm down to actually get you better. And um, I think people see that. I put 100, over 100% in every lesson I give. Yeah, I mean, I can speak. I can speak to that personally. I mean, I I don't know if I've ever seen, I've had many lessons throughout my life. I don't know if I've ever seen someone that gets so jacked up and excited about fixing your swing because you, you can pick up on it really quick. You know, you see one thing and, and immediately we've got a plan for it. I think anybody can. Yeah. Absolutely. I think anybody can see that there's a swing that, that's not going the way they like it. They They see other swings on tour and they go, this swing is not, you know, this is off, this is off, this is off. But where do you start at? And are you starting in the right place? Or are you just actually fixing the, the symptom and not really the problem? Um, so I think that that's probably one of the biggest things that I like to do is find out where the real, real root of the problem is. And sometimes that'll fix everything at one time if you actually start on the right project rather than going to, oh, you're steep, let's use your hands and arms to get it. Well, maybe you didn't set the backswing up right. Maybe you didn't finish your turn. Maybe you were moving off the ball a lot. And by the way, I don't mind people moving off if they set it up right in the downswing. Um, so there's a lot of like things that set up certain things in the downswing that we're looking at just as playing, hey, that backswing's steep or he's pulling down. Well, why is he pulling down? Um, there's reasons why they're pulling down. They're not just dumb enough to just pull down. Um, if your feet are tracking the ground properly because they can because the backswing's set up right, then the shaft will shell out by itself. If the face is ready to go, you're going to want to turn if it's, in, if it's coming in from the right direction. So there's just a lot of things that, that, you know, are correlated with other things, but most people can see when a swing's jacked up. It's just how you start going into the project is probably the, the thing that jacks me up. I love it. Yeah, so I, I think every person can empathize with wanting to create something of their own, you know, that hundreds of thousands of people buy into. What, what have been the keys... For you, I think a lot of people can learn maybe an applicable lesson from your non-traditional path to maybe create something on their own. I think that there's a combination of, I, I, obviously, I have some knowledge. One, you know, if I was just a clown all day, which I can be, when, when I'm not being serious and, and trying to fix people, I like to have fun. So I think that, that having fun on top of that is, is a big part of, you know, success um, and not taking yourself too serious. I think are, are very, very big projects, but also the proof's in the pudding. If, you, if you've got a player that's playing well, it doesn't matter if they're a 30 handicapper and you brought them down to 20 handicapper, they're improving. So if a player's improving, they might not be the best player in the world. I think most people look at coaches as, hey, this guy teaches this guy, this guy teaches this guy. I don't give a shit who, who teaches what, because um, that doesn't mean anything. Did you develop that player? Did you get that player better? Or was he already good before he came to you? Those are the things that I look at. I look at trying to make each individual better. Um, and if I can do that, I can sleep. So what do you think golf times. teaches people in general? Like forget trying to grow the game, just straight up. What do you think people everywhere what would golf? learn if they experience the game? 
Um, I just think discipline and understanding that it's really hard to get good at golf. You get bad bounces, um, but it's how we react to them. Really. It's, it's just golf is tough. You could be great one day and shitty the next, but if you actually let it blow your mind that you, that you had a bad day, then it can go on for, you know, a number of days. Um, but if you let it just slide off and, you know, I just had a bad day and I'm going to come back next day a lot of times that things will pass over, but that's how slumps happen. In my opinion is when you make a bigger deal of something than another, but what you can learn from golf is discipline. Um, you can find a lot about someone's attitude and who they really are, how, how easy they get irritated, you know, how, how they take certain situations and they laugh them off. Um, we can learn a lot from a person on the golf course of how they are, whether they cheat on the course where they get super pissed, whether they just let things roll off. Um, but you can also learn the discipline of a player who wants to get really good. They'll do anything at, at any stake. And I always ask most of my players, why, why do you want to get good? Um, is it to, you know, impress somebody? Um, is it just because you have fun um, playing the game? Whatever it might be. But usually when you look at a player, it's all ego-oriented ego um, and improvement. Those are the players that usually – will do anything to win. Those are the ones that usually get pissed off, but those are the ones that are super motivated to practice more. Those are the ones that put in the time to actually learn. Those are the ones that take it real serious, but they have real uh, big problems performing um, under the gun because they put a lot of pressure on themselves. So you can learn a lot from a lot of parts of the golf game. It's not just all mechanics. It's, it's the mind. It's, it's the discipline. There's a lot that goes along with, with playing golf. Yeah. And you were the son of two bodybuilders growing up and, and you used to think the game was wimpy when you were a wrestler. So how the hell did you go from never playing golf and thinking it was a wimpy game to shooting even par a year later? Uh, well, I think that I won. I don't know what motivated me. My, my, my dad actually motivated me first off. My dad's like, but I was so bad. I think the first round I played with him is a, a place called Kings River uh, golf course in Fresno in, in um, Kingsburg. and I must have shot a hundred and something. I don't even remember, but it was pretty bad. Um, I was terrible. My dad kept talking shit to me. You're terrible. You're terrible. If you ever actually beat me, then I'd actually throw my clubs in the lake here. Well, that was my motivation right there. It was like, I didn't really even like the game. I just got motivated that I just wanted to beat him and, and, you know, hush him up. So that, that gave me my motivation. And once by the time I actually started getting good at golf, I started to really like it. I started liking the fact that I wasn't good at it and I couldn't repeat it and I couldn't do it over and over and I want to master it. So, and I never could. So the fact is, is that that was, that's what kept my drive alive. I'm still alive now. I still love golf. I still love to actually try to improve in every part of the game, still trying to learn. Um, and if I can relay that to my other players, they have a huge advantage. But if I just thought I had it all, wired up and I knew everything I would stop learning I think that's what a lot of people think though too is that I know George's stuff you don't know shit if you knew my stuff you'd actually know that I change a lot okay and I'm always trying to get better so that's the funny part yeah and you're good friends with Chris Como who is famously known for being Tiger's coach through his injuries and they were supposed to create a move that better protected his body um is there anything you've learned from Chris in the process of of that he had of coaching the greatest of all time uh, you know, it's funny you say that is that he just texted me right the second. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of random. But Como uh, is, I always say, the smartest student in golf. Um, I think the reason he's the smartest student in golf is because at a younger age, he went off and started watching everybody teach. 
and he didn't believe everybody. He actually figured that stuff out for himself. Um, and he wasn't about opinions. He was more about science. And so he's one of the pioneers of, of, you know, understanding what's really, really going on in the golf swing. And have I learned anything from him with Tiger? No, absolutely not. He will not actually give out a word on that. He's very private on a lot of things, um, but he is a good friend and a good dude and a really smart dude. If there's any type of science stuff that I don't know, he's the, the, the number one guy that I'd call and say, hey, listen, you know, what, what, how much force can I apply to the ground if I did this, this, or this? Um, before I had a force plate, I could ask him to go do stuff like that. Um, if I have any other questions about how fast the body goes in revolution per second, he could translate into miles per hour if I wanted it. Um, there's a lot of things that he can do. And I think that he doesn't get credit where credit's due. Um, I think that he, um, in a big way, shape and form helped out Tiger. And I don't think people give him that credit um, because Tiger was hurt most of the time that they were working. But it's obvious that um, Chris Como definitely helped out Tiger Woods. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind. And speaking of a Not player, just being his friend, but for sure, 100% he helped him out. Yeah. Whether Tiger gives him the credit or not, that's the truth. And speaking of caliber players like Tiger, wh- what was going through your mind when a Masters champion, Adam Scott, reaches out to you after seeing your YouTube videos? Um, that's a good question. I, I was like, you know, to be honest, I, I feel like a lot of the stuff that's happened to me, you know, I got Podrick texting me right now. I got, I mean, there's so many guys that I can't even say, but Podrick doesn't give a shit. I, there's just so many guys that are texting me that I'm like, wow, this is, this is not, not real. Um, but the fact is, is that I feel like in a weird way that it's normal now. Um, and I probably shouldn't, but it's just like, I think if I overreact to the fact that, well, this is cool. I look at them as, as just another golfer. We all have our issues. And they're just trying to get better. Um, but I don't, I don't think that it's overwhelmingly like, whoa, this is sick. I just know that if I see somebody in front of me, I can help them. I, I know that for a fact. So that being the case, um, that doesn't mean they're going to score better right away. It just means that, yeah, they're, they're going to get what they want. They're going to hit the ball better. Um, and I can promise you that. So when Adam came along, he was one of the nicest dudes ever. Um, super cool, super talented. It was really cool to see how good he hit the ball and how quick he could repeat over and over and over. Um, but more than anything, just a super talent and, and never had a problem with his golf swing, just wanted to improve. And that, and that, that was really flattering that he came to me. What are you guys specifically working on specifically with Adam? Uh, I'm not working with Adam anymore. I haven't worked with Adam for like, uh, I don't even know how long he just wanted two things from me. He wanted to, um, set up. He was bent over too far on the toes and he'd always back away from it. And he added loss. So he didn't have the compression that he wanted. And everybody could go. He had compression. But if you sit, listen to the sound between, you know, Rory and Adam Scott, there's a different sound. Huh. Um, one, one's going down, one's staying level or going up. Um, there's, there is a difference. That doesn't mean they are not both supremely highly talented athletes um, that hit it solid over and over and over because they both hit it solid. There's just different sounds. Um, that's one. Number two, um, he also wanted rotation, but you got to be careful when you're adding rotation with a left arm that's on the higher end. If you start just ripping left, that's like telling Jack Nicholas to swing low left like um, Ben Hogan. That's not a matchup. And that's like Ben Hogan being really low in his backswing and swinging up high like Nicholas. I mean, those are not symmetrical. Those are not matchups. So um, you got to be careful with someone who wants to rotate 
with a, a higher left arm, not a real high, but a higher left arm than most. Um, so one of those situations, you just got to be careful of what, what you ask for. And I was well aware of that. So there was this, uh, one of the articles that has been written about you, there was a quote that said, I think this was from a player, George does a really good job of understanding that golf is an emotional game, a mental game, and not everything is as black and white as track men data. Um, can you give us an example of tactics or routines that you work on with your players to become stronger mentally and emotionally? Because clearly that's one thing that probably sets a lot of the top players apart and I think something we can all learn from. Well, when we talked about TrackMan, it's not just numbers. I mean, I think a lot of people understand that people see TrackMan and they try and go, oh, I'm in the out, and they try and pull left. Um, they're not using their body. They're not using their big muscles. And I know that's not what you asked me. But the fact is, is they're not moving left. They're using, moving left with their, bot, with their arms. Um, like the old Tiger used to do, try and pull up across the boat, close by. It's a good way to hurt yourself. So if you want to go left, you use your body. You rotate through the shot. You don't swing your arms left. So as easy as track man, when you said that, that's one part of what you asked. Um, but on the other hand, yes, golf is more of a mental game um, as far as what can we learn from it mentally? Um, how do we improve um, mentally? Um, it's not just black and white golf swing, golf swing, golf swing. You got to understand how to practice, number one. You got to understand uh, where to put your time at, where your weaknesses are. Um, and in the meantime, you got to understand that golf is is very very volatile you, you can change at any time you could you could get on a momentum where you're actually playing really really well and then one day something hits and it bites you in the ass and, and you're playing bad so you have to be mentally pretty even keel because you can't get too hyped up you can't get too down um and i teach a lot of my players you know about the ego um and and why are they nervous in tournaments why do they get so pissed off because a lot of people value how they play is who they are as a person. And they think that's the biggest danger in golf is if you play bad, you're a piece of shit. If you play good, you're the man. Um, that's too up and down for me. So I try and take that part of, away from them and make them realize that, number one, golf is a game. And golf being a game, um, you can't take it home with you. Um, and what I mean by that is you can't actually dwell on things. Um, at home and you can't act like you're the man at home um just let golf be golf at, at, on the course take don't take it home it's not who you are i think that's one of the biggest biggest understandings or biggest things that i could actually recommend for players who are really getting emotional about it um also i know a lot of my players play golf for a different reason and that makes some of them really nervous and some of them really don't care and they're really relaxed through tournaments so if you're if you're a player who's really really getting nervous or you know getting amped up before tournaments um, and you don't perform at your optimal, check why check the reason why you play golf. Um, I, I would imagine you're playing golf strictly ego based, where you want to be the man, you want approval, you want to be the best. That's great to to light a fire under your ass to go practice and work on your shit, but you're never going to perform at your optimal. So figure out why you really want to play golf. Um, is it for the love of the game or is it to impress? Um, and if it's for the love of the game and, and the self-satisfaction of getting better at golf, then I'll tell you what, number one, you're going to play a lot better golf um, because you're not going to put extra pressure on yourself. I'd say that's probably pretty good advice for you. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because Rory just said for the first time at the Masters that he's been working on um, saying that I am not my results. 
um, which is That's very similar beautiful. to what you just said. So, did he, when did he say that? Just at Masters? Yeah, in his uh, Augusta. Yeah, in his um, pre-round um, press conference. That's great. Yeah, that's why that's why he's playing good. Right, exactly. That's exactly why he's playing good. So real quick, so you talked about. That, oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. Oh, go ahead. I think that that's just. I, I mean, I think that that's what most people have done throughout their life is that they they base strictly who they are and if they're happy or not based on golf, and it's just it's not fair. It's not fair to yourself. Totally. So, so you talked about practice routines. Um, this is something I'd love to learn from you, even selfishly, um, as myself as a golfer, because I've struggled with this where, you know, the one thing I learned recently is to stop do- hitting the same, let's say we're doing short game practice, to stop hitting the same chip and pitch over and over because that never happens on the course. So I'll spread the balls around in different lies, different things, and I'll try and treat it like playing. But I, know, I also know that a lot of practice for you know, someone like me, I'm a six handicap up to like a 12 is experimentation. So trying new, uh, tactics around the greens, uh, different styles, et cetera. How do you go? Like, what is the best way to practice the short game? Cause a lot of times you can I be out there. For... Gr- I think that's a great question. A great question. I think the first thing that you want to do is get a baseline. I think you want to get one technique that works for most shots. Okay? okay. So it's basically a stock shot. And I think that's probably the best way, but obviously you got different lies. You've got different situations in front of you, you got pins where you're there tucked. Um, and so you got to hit a short sighted flop shot. So it's different than your stock shot. So you can't, and sometimes you go, oh, let's just bump it through the actual fringe or the rough, but then you're playing in Kikuya. So you got different grasses. Um, you've got different lies, different situations on hills. Um, but start out with stock shots. Just get good at pitches and bump and runs um, first. Um, and then you need your specialty shots um, where you open the face up a little bit, where you learn to use some bounce. Um, and once you learn that, then, then you start actually dropping balls around the, around the actual um, green. But I, don't, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that would be my first thing is, is I would take it and I'd master shots that you don't feel comfortable with. I go take 10, 20 shots and work on that one shot that you don't feel comfortable with and bring it around the course, just like people tell you not to. Then after that, then go take one ball and play up and downs. Up and downs are very valuable. Um, A lot of my players don't leave till they're six for nine on up and downs. um, And they do three bump and runs, three pitches, three flops. Um, And you could do them one, 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 um, meaning one pitch, one flop, one one, uh, bump and run. And you just go around and you do that three times, which would be nine holes, and you play up and down with one ball. Um, I think that would be more beneficial because it puts you into a situation where you feel like you're playing. But there's nothing wrong with throwing balls everywhere around the green and just go trying to bump and run. I think that you start getting into a rhythm. But I think that, one, if you have problems with a certain shot, go work on that. Get your coach or get somebody to actually teach you the technique so you don't lose your mind. And then... Once you've done it, put yourself in game time situations as much as often or as much as possible. And then if you can also put yourself in impossible situations where you bury your ball, put it in high rough, step on your ball, put it in short-sighted lies. And I teach a lot of my players to do that. And it helps them in a lot of situations where they're in the trees or whatever. And they make bad situations into good ones where they're not making doubles and triples because they're good off the back of the lip buried. They know what to do. They've been in that situation. But when you see a kid that, or a player that's never been in there, um, they make big numbers. So that's one really – I think that's really good advice for, for players to really get work around the greens, 
Um, and then I always tell players, I said, listen, why are you, why are you short side yourself? Why are you working on flop shot? It's because you're crossing pins. Okay. So learn not to cross pins. And when I say crossing pins, for those of you who don't know, um, short side yourself, it means if you have a tuck left pin, don't miss left of it. Um, and sometimes there's situations where tuck left pin and you miss left can be okay because the slope of the green is working to where you miss left on that left pin that it's uphill and you have room to actually slow it down. That's a, that's a cool situation, but you're not going to see it very often. Got it. So, so that, that's where I go. We only got a f- about five minutes. I want to talk about a couple of your players and then I want to talk about your, um, your new website. Um, obviously most people know Matthew Wolf, right? Um, and yeah. to me, the, the thing that fascinates me most about Wolf is not just his move, but the story I read in your guys' golf.com article to give people context. This has been told before, but just in case people haven't heard it, uh, Matt went to a bunch of teachers and every single one of them wanted to, quote, fix him, right? And that created insecurities for him. Um, when you guys met, he was 14. You told him that you love his move and you thought he could actually become the number one player in the world with it. Can you talk about the impact of imposter syndrome and that the effect that that has on the game of golf and your players performances and on Matt specifically? Well, on Matt being as far as number one, when he came to me, I think a lot of people have heard me talk about Matt. And if for those who have not, um, Matt Wolf came with a, a very twisted up move. Um, but he actually hit the ball pretty decent when I met him. Um, he was 13 or 14. I think he was 13. Um, and, or no, he's 14 and he was hitting sling hooks. Um, and it was really a cool move to me cause I like old, old fashioned swings. Um, so I was not like, Whoa, this needs to be changed. Um, I like swings with character. Um, because usually those are, those are ones that actually have his fingerprint on him. Um, it wasn't me and my fingerprint because as soon as you start cookie cutter and everybody's swing to look like Adam Scott or somebody that you prefer, is exactly when you take their natural fingerprint away. And I think that's a problem. Um, You don't become an athlete anymore, you become a mechanic. Um, So I don't think you flow as well with the situation where everybody looks the same. And so with Matt Wolf, when I first saw him, I knew the kid had talent and I knew I'd like to keep some character in the swing. And so I saw it and I looked on my track man and he was about, I don't know, 12 degrees under from where we were aiming. Um, his, his path was somewhere 12-ish, 14 to about face anywhere from six, to seven to eight up to the right nine. He was, he was in sling draws. Um, and so I said, you know what, let's start by leaving his backswing alone. His dad even came over and said, I'm nervous about this, this lesson. I said, don't be. I said, I love his swing. And he goes, really? Goes, yeah, I love it. So I said, first thing I want to do is I want to get him left more, not by pulling his arms across the closed body, but I want to get him open more. So we really worked on opening for like a whole year of whether it was get the neck out, whether it was getting the legs to rotate proper, whether it's leaving the arms up, um, putting sticks out in front of him. So he had to turn um, things like that situations where we had to actually slow his arms down, keep him on the right side of the body, use the feet properly. Um, all these things were done. And if you ask him, People always say George just, oh, George got lucky. He didn't actually do anything to that swing. That's a bunch of bullshit. You can ask Matt Wolf. Um, his swing was way in out. Um, and more than anything, um, I helped him score. Um, and I helped him with cross pins and flighting it and different distances with tuck pins. Um, we were really worked hard on, on tuck pins. 
Um, from top to bottom, I play a game like if he was hitting his eight or 100 and let's say 70 yards when he was 15 to 150. So 20 yard increments, 170, 150, 165, uh, 155 and 160. So we take five shots and to tuck pins and he would not cross a pin. And we had a situation where he was in a grid from the pin to the right of the pin, if it was a tuck left pin, where he got plus one. If he was on the green from that other line to the right side of the green, he got zero because he's still on. And if he missed left, he got negative two. If he missed right, it was negative one. So we had a scoring system. And if he got the right yardage, he'd get plus one within five yards. Um, so he started getting really good at it. So you could get plus two as your best score. And if you miss left and have the wrong yardage, you get minus three. Um, so we just add up the numbers that way. And it, it became fun for him to play. Then we started doing combine stuff. Um, for those of you who don't know, on TrackMan, they have a combine where where you do two shots at six or three shots at 60, three shots at 70, three shots at 80, all the way out to like a driver. Um, and right off the bat with a month, he was like one of the best in the country at, at ball striking and getting the distances right with hitting it at the target. So it was pretty interesting how fast progressed. So um, do I take credit for Wolf? No, absolutely not. I, Anyone who's a coach uh, knows that all you are is a guider and helping them actually see what their um, ability can actually, um, how far that ability can take them. Um, but Wolf and I are very close, as I think a lot of you guys know that. And um, I think that he's, he's dangerous. I think that he's going to be hard to stop when he's on. Um, and I don't think that uh, people realize how good he is. I think people do, but they're going to find out once he gets up to her. It's going to be a a different story that kid's gonna be a superstar yeah he's he's so much fun to watch um all right well i know we're at time i wanted you to give people an, a summary and an update of the timing of when your new website is out and what they can expect from that um uh, well thank you for asking um first off um i'm done filming which is cool uh i've been filming it for a year and a half um some of it the lighting was bad so we had to refilm some was in the wrong place. Um, so we made sure that we liked what we did. It took a lot longer than I thought. Um, we could roll it out in two months, but a lot of people are impatient about it and saying, hey, listen, we want to see this, we want to see that. Yeah, I want to, I want to see it too. Um, but it's going to be good, real good. But it's uh, georgegankus.golf. You can pre, um, pre-subscribe. Um, and it's going to be good. It's going to be stuff people have never seen. Um, and it's going to be stuff that you can apply real easy. And I think that everybody knows and when you look at a, a, a golf swing, everyone knows what a good golf swing looks like. But how do we get a player there the fastest is um, really the biggest secret um, of how to get people to do what we want them to do fast. And there's going to be a lot of things on this membership site that people have never seen. Um, and it's going to be exciting to actually let people see um, how I fix them. Because um, there's going to be stuff that shows live lessons. There's going to be stuff that shows you know, what stuff I teach, what parameters are within what meaning, do I want you to swing like Wolf? Do I want you to swing like Adam Scott? Do I want you to swing just your swing? Um, and the principles that are within guidelines of what I teach and not everybody looks the same. Um, there's also going to be faults and fixes, mental game, um, actually how to practice. Um, lots of stuff are going to be on the thing, which took a long time to film. So I'm excited about it. So for those of you at golf who are interested, um, pre-subscribe, you'll get notified. But I am done actually filming. Um, they're just editing it. 
um, getting ready to market it out here in the next couple of weeks. So uh, you should be seeing it in the next couple of months. I know I've been saying that a long time, but I'm actually done filming. So it's out of my control now. Love it. Well, I'll, I'll leave people with this. I've, like I said, I've had two lessons with you, George, and you know, I've spent a lot more in two lessons than anyone would with this subscription. And I've said, I've taken lessons. I've been playing golf, you know, for over 15 years. And George, you, you identified things that no teacher has told me that is basically what I was looking for, for, for so long. And I feel like my game is finally starting to come back on the upswing. I'm hitting the ball a club and a half longer in every club. And, uh, I'm starting to to hit the ball more consistently again. So you guys, you got to subscribe, pre-subscribe. It'll be totally worth it. hundred percent. So thanks for coming on, George. This is great. Thank you, Evan. I appreciate it. And uh, maybe I'll see you again. Thank you for having uh, me. It was great. You're a great uh, interview. Yeah, for sure. Thank you guys. See ya. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.